0: You're listening to a sermon from New City Fellowship in Manassas, Virginia. New City Fellowship is a diverse community that proclaims the gospel and makes disciples for the glory of God and the renewal of our city. For more information, visit newcityfellowship.net. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Oh, don't we look forward to that. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads, and night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And he said to me, These words are trustworthy and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, has sent his angel to show his servants what must soon take place. And behold, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed them to me. But he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers, the prophets, and with those who keep the words of this book, worship God. And he said to me, do not seal up the words of this prophecy, of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold." I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers, and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things say, surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen.
1: Good morning, everyone. Thank you for that introduction, Mrs. Lee. I will try to endeavor this morning to at least bring some of that enthusiasm. <laughs> I'm the best preacher she has seen all day. <laughs> Not necessarily the one she's, ever, she's seen all her life. Hey, good morning. It is an honor to be back in the pulpit this morning to continue our series and, and our future hope. I'm, I'm hesitant to say we're going to wrap up our series and our future hope. This is the last one we're doing in the series, but our future hope is eternal and never-ending. It is our future hope, and it is a wonderful, wonderful thing. We, ha- we have a whole chapter to go through today, but don't worry. It's only going to take about six, seven hours maybe to walk through these. Cer- so if you just need to get them to go to the restroom, they're down the hall. Whoever's volunteering with your kids, just pray for them as we continue to walk through these times. No, we're, not, we're just going to hit some highlights here and talk about our future hope and the blessings And the excitement and the joy that's found in this chapter. Yes, there are some things in there you're like, whoa, that's not really pretty. But we got to get to the end of the verses. We are at the end of the canon. We are at the end of God's redemptive story for his people. So before we jump into it, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we bow before you, Lord. Thank you so much for this time and this place that you've given us to come and worship you freely. A place that we can come with safety in a nation that honors religious liberty and freedom. Father, we had to pay nothing to come here other than what we give out of the abundance of our hearts. Father, there's no way we could possibly repay for all the things that you've done for us. That's why we sing you are faithful and true. Yes and amen. And as we walk through these scriptures today, Father, I pray that each one of us here and those who receive this on a, see this on a recording will be able to make some application to their lives of just how great and how mighty and how awesome you are and what you've done to us. And our only response is to fall on our knees and worship you. Father, just bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid, I was a little guy and, uh, growing up in Tennessee and then around the early 80s there was a kind of big thing then I don't know if they were still doing it anymore was the World's Fair and it came to Knoxville, Tennessee. And it used to be an exposition way before there was the internet but it came to Knoxville and it was a, of course in the area it was a, widely advertised everyone got excited about going but my mom Who's a single mom with three kids and a school teacher in East Tennessee, not making a whole lot of money? She said, "We're gonna have to wait because we gotta save some money to buy those tickets to go." My brother and I and my little sister—we were all really excited about going because it's kind of like a, a huge carnival, an amusement park that had come to our own hometown. And before we could do any kind of anything like that, we had to drive for hours and hours and hours. So this is right in our hometown. So we saved up and. We got the tickets in the morning. We were getting ready to go. We're all very excited. We're walking out to the car, and I wish my mom was here. She was here last week. She could tell the story. She tells it much better than I do. We're going out to the car. My brother and I, who are just three years separated, we're always tussling and fighting. It's usually him picking on me more, more than anything. hope he sees this online. It's his fault. But we're going out the door. We get into an argument going to the car. We're on the way to this excitement, and we get into an argument, and my mom just lost it. She said, you ain't going. We're not going to go. I know you've been anticipating this. It's been exciting. But we're going to stay and we're going to clean the garage out. So imagine there I am, a 10-year-old kid getting ready to go off and ride roller coasters, but I get to clean the garage out. So my expectation that I had of going to this fantastic thing was immediately crushed by reality of some penalty for my sin. We eventually did go but I don't really remember that much about it. But what I do remember is the hard work my mom put in to hold us accountable to our actions, rewarding us when we repented, and just the time being there with her. I remember some of the things about it, but what's most important to me now is that my mom worked hard and eventually took us. It was that that intimate time with my mom, and I appreciate that. And that is what we see here Today, the hard work that God has put in to redeem us. Our overall sermon series has been talking about a future hope. We've been exploring the promises of God's peace and his, pre- and his preservation and his presence and his victory in our life. And just as a quick summary, if you haven't heard all of this, if you haven't heard the series, we, we started off on Easter Sunday and, and Joe talked about the, the future hope that's present in the resurrection. That's where it started. Christ had defeated death. He'd taken those keys and said, victory is mine, and it's for each one of you. Then we rolled into Lamentations. We talked about our future hope of, being, of blessings and being with God are based on his faithfulness of what he's done in our past. And if you think back on your life, I mean, all of us have had difficult times. But there's also times, if you really look and chart it out, there are times that God was working your life and through people around you to bring you blessings, to bring you here today. We went into Ephesians, and the future hope is, is guided by God's unlimited power from which he rose Christ from the dead. And He put us in Christ, and our salvation is in Jesus Christ himself. Joe talked about Thessalonians, where Jesus says, I'm coming back, I'm coming again, but I'm going to come and get you. There's going to be some persecutions, there's going to be some difficult times, but church, if you're in me you're with me, you'll be with me forever. There may be a little suffering, but there's not going to be eternal judgment. And then from there, we jumped into Revelation, the book book of hope from the end. It's the last chapter, as I said. It's the culmination of God's plan for our life. And We talked about the snapshots that we see in Revelation. In the midst of all the judgment, we see these snapshots of the family of God at his altar, worshiping him in spirit and truth. And we sang about it brian read revelation 5 where they're seeing that continuous and repetitive phrase of all honor and glory and might be to god and the lamb who is on the throne if you remember that snapshot we're there with him we're in the white robes of those who are in christ because they have been cleansed of their sins by the blood of jesus and then last week jeff came and visited with us and we looked at the snapshot in revelation 22 or 21 rather right before this chapter he, he does such a great job of talking about our future hope. Impacts us here and now and in the future. And if we believe that's coming in the future, how does that change how you deal in your life now with yourself? He had a great phrase. He said, faith and hope, your faith and hope, shapes how we view God's love for us. So how you view your faith and hope shapes how you see God. Revelation 22, the big picture. The Revelation 22, the, the, the meta narrative of this chapter in concluding God's plan, I want you to see that the main theme of this whole chapter is all about Jesus. It's all about that lamb on the throne. It's about him and who we are in him. He says three times, he speaks four times, and in three of the times he says, Behold, I'm coming quickly. So there is an anticipation right around the corner that he's coming back. And John, in his time, when he wrote this, he's thinking, it's going to happen right now. We have this history now looking back, and maybe it doesn't feel like it's coming soon. But when you think of Jesus coming back in relative to the entire eternity, it's very, very soon. So he's given us a warning. Because it's very soon, he's saying, you need to see the need for obedience with God. He calls us to holy obedience That that we may receive the full reward of our salvation. He's coming quickly. He calls us to obedience that we may receive the reward of his salvation. We're going to walk through what that means in just a second. But as we've talked about in this future hope, our struggle sometimes is that we have short memories. I have a really bad short-term memory. Heather will call me and tell me something, and she'll have to text it to me because I'll forget it immediately. Immediately. But that's our finite minds. Our limitless sin seems to be just it's so insidious, it just doesn't stop. And our fickle emotions cause us to have theological and emotional and spiritual amnesia. When we're searching for our future hope, searching for promises, searching for a way out of difficult times, searching for a little bit of peace in our life when we do it outside of God's protection of his umbrella, we often turn to things that are not very good for us. We turn to wrong places. Some of us seek for an identity in this peace, in our hobbies, in our relationships, in our economics of what we make, our social status, sometimes in our professions, we let that identify who we are. Maybe it's in our children. Or maybe... It's in our Facebook likes or our Twitter feeds and arguments that we like to have or our credit score. But God is calling us to see that our hope is it should be in Christ and not the false idols that we set up. We just read that psalm that talks about the false idols that we need to set aside and cast our eyes upon the one who saves us. This whole chapter reminds us of the purpose and intention of the letter of all of Scripture is about the redeeming God who will bring his believers back to his garden, returning the reconciled creature back to the original creation. Think about Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the picture of the garden where he places Adam and Eve, and he gives them some, some instructions... But he says, there's a tree, the tree of life. There's some rivers flowing through there of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verses 1 through 6, we're not going to walk through these in depth. I wish we could because it's a wonderful passage. And this is Rich Lee's opinion. I think chapters, or verses 1 through 6 actually belong in chapter 21. The numbers and versifications are put in later. I think they belong with that. And we start in chapter 6 as a is really as a conclusion. That's a beautiful picture. You see, he writes there about the river of life, the river of the living waters flowing out from the throne, and beside it are is the tree of life. What is not there is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He doesn't mention it. The reason it's not there, because this is the recreation. This is the new heavens and the new earth, new Jerusalem from chapter 21, where there is no sin. There is no pain. There is no hurt, there is no sorrow, there is no evil. There is just life in in Christ. It's a beautiful picture of returning us back to the creation absence of sin. Because that has been dealt with by Christ on the cross. His mode of bringing us back is through the Lamb. It's pictured all through Revelation. Revelation 7 talks about the worthy lamb who's able to open up those seals so just a couple of points i want you to remember to help you counter your spiritual amnesia to help us to set aside those idols in our lives that drive us away from god and drive us really down into an area of our lives that will only lead to destruction and pain i want you to see our future hope is coming soon i've mentioned that so he's calling us to obedience If you would, flip back or just listen to me to Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. If you can get there quickly. So he's concluding the book of Revelation. In chapter 3, he gives you really the thesis of his book. God inspires John to write this. He says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it. For the time is near. Chapter 22, verse 7. And behold, I am coming, Jesus says. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. So he opens the book with blessings, read, understand, and he closes it with blessings, read, and understand. But there's a little bit of difference, too, because as we move on, if you remember Heather read, there's some curses in there, too. So he really opens with blessings, and he ends with a little bit of warnings. So he's saying, I need you to read aloud the words, the prophecy, hear them, keep what's written in them. In other words, harbor them in your heart and apply them to your lives. And then he walks through very quickly, and I just want to footnote the credit to a great theologian, GK Beale, who I read through his commentary on this, and he, he's very insightful, and it's really long and really deep. Um, uh, but he is a great theologian. And he gives us five exhortations. And I've changed the wording just to make it more sense to us. As you walk through verses six and seven, and and then nine, ten, fourteen, and fifteen, eighteen and nineteen, there's some imagery there. And you've got to remember that John is Writing and he's trying to describe something that's indescribable in human terms. So he's ushered into heaven, remember, by the angel, and the angel says, Here's a mural of heaven, then describe it. So he's walking through and he's describing a picture of what he sees. And some of the application for us in verse 6, we've already talked about it, 6 and 7, is to read. Read the words of this prophecy. And I think you can apply that to the entire Bible. Read. Read the words of the prophecy. Verse 7 and 9, John, in his encounter with the angel, he falls down, he worships the angel. This is done a couple times in the Old Testament. Some people are kind of confused on who, who am I talking to? Is this God in flesh? Is this an angel? Well, they probably just default and I'm going to worship it anyway. And you see them correct. And this angel here does the same thing. He says, no, 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 no. We are both servants. Worship God, he says at the end of verse 9. So read God's Word and worship Him. It's pretty simple. Hard application. The third exhortation we see, He says, open your ears and listen and obey. And sometimes that comes through God's Word. Sometimes it comes through the preaching of His Word. Sometimes it comes through those we hang out with who read His Word as well. But listen for the truth. If you would, flip over to Isaiah with me. Isaiah chapter 6. or Scroll in your text on your phone. Isaiah chapter 6. This idea of, it's repeated by Jesus several times you see it through the Old Testament of those who have ears to hear and eyes to see, let them do it. But here in Isaiah, it's interesting. He, he says the opposite. This is a great picture of where God comes to, to Isaiah and says, hey, man, I need you to go do some stuff. And Isaiah says, I'm, I'm unclean, I'm not worthy. And God says, I have made you clean. In Verse number 8, he says, and I heard the voice of the Lord saying, asking a question, whom shall I send and who shall go, with, go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And God says, go. Now Here's what I want you to say. He says, tell, him, tell them, keep on hearing, but don't understand. Keep on seeing, but do not perceive. Make the heart of these people dull and their ears heavy and, their, and blind their eyes. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and be healed. God is saying, hey, go preach to them hard things. And what's going to happen is they're not going to listen to you, Isaiah. They're going to close their eyes. They're going to put their fingers in their ears because they're not going to like what you tell them because it's coming from me. Because God challenges us to change our lives and to worship Him and not worship ourselves. So read God's Word, worship God, and open your ears to hear, to listen to what God is calling us to do. And that is to look to Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith, and to follow and obey Him. The fourth thing he tells us in verse 14 and 15, he calls us to grow into spiritual maturity. and This is a beautiful passage completely. Directly linking back to Revelation 7, it says, Blessed are those who wash their robes. So picture the white robes washed in the blood of the Lamb so that they may have the right to the tree of life, that they may enter the city by the gates. The difference between earlier in Revelation is that was a one-time act. They washed, they were cleansed we call that salvation in christ the one time you're sealed this part here is saying this is a continuing action we're waiting for christ we have this anticipation of coming he's saying i need you to continue to work out your salvation as paul says not that we work to get it but that we grow in christ we are sealed yes but if we just stagnate we become children he needs us to grow and develop our character and our heart to be more like Jesus every day. To grow to spiritual mat- maturity. So read, worship, listen, and then challenge yourselves to grow in maturity. And the last thing, in ver- the last exhortation he gives us, number five, in verses 18 through 19, he says seek the truth as found de- and defined by God. A lot of people take this these verses out of context if anyone I warn anyone who hears the words of this prophecy the book if anyone adds to them God will add to them the plagues And if anyone takes away God will take away the plagues so there is a, a direct warning to those who are actually writing this down John was either writing or he had a scribe and saying, don't manipulate that for your own gain but really what that's saying for us the application is seek the truth of God how do we do that how do we know what is true? That's really an act of faith. And to be around Christians who similarly see that God himself is truth. He defines the truth. He has left us an accurate record. Are there strange things in there? Are there things that may be some scribal errors? Yes, but the truth of the gospel and the salvation is true. We can trust it. Years ago, I had a, a great mentor... That I got to know, and he was uh, helping me learn how to minister to Marines. And he said, hey, Rich, being a Christian is pretty easy as far as your spiritual disciplines, but they're hard to execute. I'm like, okay, give me the plan. And he said, pray every day, read your Bible every day, and hang out with people who do. That kind of sounds like the five exhortations he just gave us, doesn't it? Read your Bible every day, pray every day, and hang out with people who do. That's when truth will start to permeate the false lies in the world. Look back with me in verse 15. So blessed are those who wash the robes, they have the right to the tree of life. But verse 15 says, outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the sexual immoral and the murderers and the idolaters. And everyone who loves and practices falsehood they're living the lie and what John is talking about here tons of Old Testament references but they are people who know God who know the truth but refuse to make him their Lord he's talking about pictures of Israel and as they knew God they knew the temple they knew the sacrificial system they still went off and did their own thing they got involved with the culture he said don't do it they intermarried with with pagans he said don't do it and they eventually whittled away their beliefs and they started believing the lies. We have a problem in our culture right now with the culture wars and the ideas where if you don't believe exactly like someone on TV then you're wrong and you're un-American. It's a battle for truth. So where are you getting your truth? Are you getting your truth from what God says or compare it to what we hear? or is it the other way around read your bible every day pray every day and hang out with people who do that call that requires obedience and that's what god is calling us to faith will bring us to the to the knowledge of christ but obedience will bring out the blessings of christ so it's, it's the reward that we're talking about here of salvation is the growth in christ and the blessings that will continue for the rest of your life, and then you will pass down generationally to your children. Many of us have struggled through life, and sometimes we've had people, our parents or our grandparents, who did not walk with Christ, and we're still trying to overcome some of those sins. God talks about that those will be carried on through generationally. So here's your chance today to not only know Christ, but to live with Christ. And truly change your family tree. For obedience precedes the future blessings. But we got to know what is true and what is right. Heather and I at our house, we have, uh, in our kitchen, we have this big window and it overlooks this tree. And here recently we laugh about it every day. We've had these cardinals flying around and it's it's the springtime so they're in that mating season. And we've watched this male and these two females fighting it out about who's going to mate with who and there's this one female every day, multiple times a day, it happened this morning, we were laughing about it. She attacks the other female that's actually her reflection in the window. <laughs> so this big window, we hear this thump, thump, thump. And she's been doing this for like two weeks. About two weeks now? Two or three weeks? And we're just wondering, when she gonna like not be able to fly away? So this morning, as I'm I'm reviewing my notes, I'm looking, and she's over there, boom, boom, just attacking that bird in the window, fending it off, saying, get away from my man, and it's not even real. How many of us are just banging your head against the window, and it's not even real? Look for the truth of God found in the scripture. And if we're going to fight for something, let's fight for something to stand for justice and righteousness and do it with the love of Christ. But is it right Is it true? Is it good? This is not just this book is not ending as just a simple moral do better, be good, no God. This is laying our lives down and saying, God, you are my Lord and my Savior. Our future hope is about obedience. Our future hope is coming soon. And it's saying, God is saying, see Jesus. He is the reward of your salvation often we think about the the benefits of salvation of eternal life will be with god forever and a better life now that's all great that's what we've been preaching about that's what we want we want you to have hope and peace in your life but ultimately the reward in heaven is jesus himself the lamb sitting at the throne that we get to be with we get to worship for eternity outside of this world i, I love creation i love being out in the woods I love hiking. I love seeing God's beauty. But that's just a small, unfocused version of what John is showing us here, of the glory we will see in heaven. Jesus says in verse 13 that he is the Alpha, the Omega. So if you don't know your Greek, that's the same thing as saying he's the A to Z, he's it he's everything in between he's the entire encyclopedia from a to z he is the first the last the beginning of the end verse 16 he says he's the root of david he is the descendant of david christ is saying what was promised back then to david that david's reign would be forever and ever and ever i'm it and when it seems like the things aren't going to go well that that we're going to be destroyed he is the root he is the beginning. He is the genesis of our salvation. He's the descendant of David. Matthew talks about this to, f- to fulfill the Davidic promises. And he says he's the bright morning star. Have you ever gotten up before daylight on a cloudless day? It's really dark. And you start to see the stars become very bright. And then the sun comes up, almost just anticipating that there is a new dawn. Christ is that star that says, the sin and darkness and blackness of your life is done. It is finished. I am the bright morning star. A couple of weeks ago, I ended with an illustration of Balaam and his donkey. Some of you all asked me later, why did you finish with that? Because it ties in right here. In Numbers 24, Balaam, Balaam was hired by Balak to, to say good things about him so he would win this war. And Balaam says, I can't do it. i got to do what God says to do. And he, he gives these oracles. So he gives these poems. And he's, he's really pronouncing judgment on Balak. And ju- every time he does it, Balak says, I don't like that one. Give me another one. I don't like that one. Give me another one. In other words, Balak is saying, I don't like that truth. Give me one I do like so I can fight that stupid bird in the window. Give me what I want to hear, Balaam at the very end Balaam says and listen to this he says I see him but not right now I behold him but he's but not near a star shall come out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel he will crush the forehead of Moab and break down the sons of Seth this is this is Balaam seeing Jesus in Revelation chapter 21 he sees the risen king the conquering king in the future that will defeat sin and death as represented by Moab. Balak didn't like that one either. Uh, went off into the war and got defeated. But he's the star will come out of Jacob, the bright morning star. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when he created, he brought order out of chaos. And in that creation, he created a beautiful garden of perfection. But y'all know the story. There was a serpent sin entered into. John says it this way, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. Without him, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Sounds like a bright morning star. The sun shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Later on in that same chapter he says, and this word became flesh and dwelt among us. It's Jesus. our hope our future hope is jesus himself the victory that he brings to us as he came and we're waiting for him to come again as he wraps up this chapter the spirit and the bride in verse 17 say come let the one who hears say come and john wraps it up and says verse 20. Surely, this is Jesus said, Surely I am coming soon. Amen, John says, Come, Lord Jesus. There is the hopeful expectation, the excitement. John saying, Come on, let's do this. Let's finish this up, Jesus. That is our future hope. But we're still waiting. But we know the end of the game. We know that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our prayer, Author and perfecter of our faith. So therefore, we can approach him with confident expectation. Because we know the end, and it's coming soon. It should inspire us to read your Bible every day, pray every day, hang out with people who do. We worship the one today. Revelation 9, who is worthy to receive our wisdom, our honor, power, and glory. That same Jesus invites us to his table to await for him, to remember him. We're going to move into communion. What I'm going to do this morning is I want to to take it together as a family, because we're going to be a family in heaven, worshiping God daily, and together. Brian makes his way up. So take your communion cups. And as we transition, I want you to think about this Jesus. The reward of our salvation. The one who is and the one to come. He's inviting you to come. And if you have never made a profession of faith, maybe you're one that's attended church, maybe it's you're one that's, you do read your Bible sometimes, but you've never made a commitment to Christ and say, God, you are my Lord and my Savior. I ask you not to take the elements today. Jesus invites you to his table. It is his. He's at the head of the table. And he says to associate with me to understand my death and my burial and resurrection will take the elements. But I need you to know that I am your Lord and Savior before you do. So if you would, take out that little wafer. God's word says, Jesus, on the night before he was betrayed, he took the bread. And he said, for I received from the Lord, I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed... He gave thanks for it, and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Before you take it, we're going to pray. Father, we we can somewhat understand your statements that this is your body. And it represents how you would be broken on the cross for my sins. And the transgressions of the I ask that as we take this at this time, Father, that you bless it. That we understand it deeper and deeper each and every day. And that it would encourage us to see that our future hope is you and the salvation found in you. Bless this bread. In your name. Amen. Take and eat. In the same way the scriptures say you took the cup. So go ahead and peel back your little, your little cup. I pray one day after COVID we'll get to do this all together in a much different way. His word says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, the blood of the Lamb of Revelation who washes our robes. This is his blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Father, we thank and praise you for your shed blood. Father, you are the beginning and the end, the first and the last. And I pray for me as I associate with this bread and this blood, Lord, that I proclaim that you are my God and my Savior. Help me, Father, to know you more. Amen. Take and drink. The scriptures continue. And this is where we'll end. For often, for as, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Lord Jesus, come and come quickly.